Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours on a busy Wednesday here today, at least for us, on Des Moines Sports Station. Uh, BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. We will, in 15 minutes or so, get Brian Walton in here, thecardinalnation.com. Promise we're going to talk some Cardinals. Today is the day. They clinched last night. What a run. The beat goes on. Seven. 17 in a row for those Red Birds. Uh, they have punched their ticket with, with five games to play. Um, they're in the playoffs. It's a remarkable, remarkable run. Not only did they not go right down to the wire, they got it done with plenty of time to set their rotation for that one gamer. And then the way they're playing, who knows? Uh, but Brian Walton will join us at 10.15. At 10.30, we're going to do the Hawks today. We'll get to the Clones tomorrow, recap what the press conference was. Uh, anything newsworthy came out of those yesterday. David Eicholt, uh will join us from 24-7 Sports. Look forward to catching up uh, with uh, Mr. Eicholt at 10.30. Kenny White is here, KennyWhiteSports.com in Las Vegas. He's got a handful of games that he'll help us out with at 10.45. 11.05, Cappy's here. So much ground to cover with Cappy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, does the, the field story is obviously still major. Mm-hmm. But some news today. I mean, that, um, that threat, the rumors that uh, the Bears may be leaving Soldier Field and leaving downtown or whatever you call it, Chicago, by the lake to head to uh, Arlington Heights, took another step forward today or yesterday as the Bears and Churchill Downs signed an agreement to purchase. Boy, Churchill Downs. You know, this is the biggest racing company in the world, and they love nothing better than destroying tracks. They bought Hollywood Park in Los Angeles, ran it into the ground. It is now the home of SoFi Stadium. Arlington Park, which was a palace in Chicago, bought it, ran that into the ground, and it may be the new home of the Chicago Bears. Bastards. Will be. I think it will. You know, they've they've gone this far, Trent, and a negotiation ploy, I get it. The mayor of the city... um, Mm -hmm. Mayor Daly? No. No, no, Mayor Lightfoot. 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 Mayor Lightfoot has said that uh, she still wants to negotiate. She's going to do her utmost uh, to whatever the Bears can do. I mean, what can they do to Soldier Field? Nothing. I don't think you can, right? Well, and ultimately, it's not owned by the McCaskey That's family. the main, main box to check. It's owned by the city. Right. You look at, in terms of value, it's the seventh most valuable NFL team. It is the 18th most valuable sports property in the world. But what if they had their own stadium? And if you have your own stadium, it becomes one of the top three, mm-hmm. some people is believe. That what it's, is that what the speculation is? Isn't that something? You have the smallest stadium in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You do not have the luxury suites, the boxes that mm-hmm. obviously are big time. You don't have the same kind of amount of signage that they can sell inside of there oh, compared sure. to if it was their own stadium. All of these things. Now, it's also, Jerry Jones has all the money, right? Right, right. You look at L.A. Kroenke, all the money. Yep. That's not the McCaskies. This is a family that had a NFL team handed down to them. Mm-hmm. So they do not have the same kind so of So are they going to need help to get this project completed? Will. So they, the NFL has a program where 
they will loan for a new stadium. You've done some homework on the anticipation of your Bears movie. (laughs) Yes. They, the Rams, in fact, had one. I believe the Vikings had one. A few others, but many of the new stadiums comes from this loan program that the NFL. The Bears, though, would need the biggest loan ever from the NFL Mm. in order to pull this off. NFL, it sounds like, at least from the reports that I've read, they're willing to do that. They're willing to help to make this happen. So it's going down the line where it's going to happen. Now, it might not happen within the next four years, but before the end of the contract with Soldier Field, which I believe goes through 2032, it'll happen before that. And it's only, I think, $18 million a year is all that they, maybe even $8 million a year. It's not a ton of money to get out of the lease per year going forward. No, this is going to happen. In the grand scheme of things, Trent, if that yeah. number's accurate, that, that, that's pocket change. It is. For what we're talking we're about We're talking here. about billions of dollars. A couple of other caveats need to put in here. We're talking about Illinois. Uh-huh. We're talking about politicians. Mm-hmm. Politically as dirty of a state as there is. Well, I, I've always heard that. Again, yeah. I don't follow it. but um, Neither do I, right. but that's always been mm-hmm. out there. Coupled with the financial situation of the state, that's a problem. Unions, a problem in Illinois. There's a lot more... And when you talk about the cost, so we know SoFi costs, what, $6 billion? Where, go out to Minneapolis, U.S. Bank, it's about $2 billion. Uh-huh. Basically, what I was reading last night, you could build the exact same stadium that the Vikings built for about $2 billion. Obviously, costs are a little bit higher now, but because of all these other extras that are there in the state of Illinois, price tag's probably looking <laughs> about double that. For the exact same thing, just a few years later, in Illinois, the state as a whole, is a big, big part of that. Regardless, though, this is something, ultimately, I believe is going to happen. Yeah. It's not a, this is not political back and forth anymore. They have gone past that point. No, they, the they've got place, pen and paper, Trey. Right. It's over. It sure seems like it. Soldier Field, the columns are cool, right? Yes. No, I mean, again, I've only been there once and I saw the Rolling Stones. I didn't see a football mm-hmm. game. It's not a great place to watch a football game either. It just isn't. It was built yeah. for track and field. That's what that field was actually built for. And the other thing, it's not like they've been there since 1926. Right. It's 1971. They played in Wrigley Field. They played in Wrigley for a long time. Until 71, until Uh the NFL said, you need to get a bigger stadium. And there was only really one place. They have flirted with Arlington Heights many times before. Mm -hmm. Before the big renovation when they had to play in Champaign for a year, that was a big part of it. Before that all came to fruition. All these things. Ultimately, this is the best thing for the Bears organization. One of the worst organizations in professional sports, yes, but for them, financially and going forward, this is something that needs to happen. Now, do they have to be called the Arlington Heights Bears? Probably not going to no, happen. No, of course they don't. No, no. You don't call the well, Washington who, who, football team right. Landover. Well, who are the Giants and the Jets? Right. Not New Jersey. No. It's not Newark. <laughs> no. And it's New York. And the right. same thing here. No matter what the mayor says and... The grandstanding that's happening there. I just got a text. Happen. Apparently, she was on the score this morning, and uh, it didn't go well for her. Oh, I'm sure. So I'll have to I'm be searching for some of that from later on. Well, we shall see. So that'll be a big topic with Cappy Trent. Very impressed. You are up. You're buttoned up on this uh, on this proposed move from Soldier Field to a new stadium at what is still the home, or at least it was this past weekend, was the last weekend of racing there. Oh, really? Last weekend. Within the last couple of weeks, anyways. The curtain came down. Uh, And then uh, at 11.30, we'll finish out the BMW of Des Moines guest list by talking to, boy, something we haven't done in a long time. Talk to Mitch Holtz off back-to-back losses.
When is the last time? Whew, I don't think we were here. Oh, no, no. Yeah, we'd be up the dial. Yeah, so don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> that was a penalty. Yeah, that, that's all uh, right. That'd serve it. That's crazy. And you look at this week, I've seen a lot of sharps already. I like the Eagles. Like Why? The, I, I don't know. Because the Chiefs' defense is that bad? Well, the, yeah, but the, the, you saw Hurts on Monday night. Yeah. They can't run the ball. They didn't run the ball. Just, we were talking about how good the Cowboys' defense has improved, though, and how they much. They have come a long way. And now you're going up against Kansas City. Yeah. That defense has not improved. No, no, they haven't. Wow. Yeah. So uh, Mitch Holtis will uh, join us at uh, 10.15, or uh, rather at 11.30, 10.15, Brian Walton coming up. So baseball last night was uh, not good in the Miller house. It was a uh, oh. disappointing night as the Blue Jays fell to the Yankees. But there, you know, you mentioned it yesterday. There were some big series uh, to start off this week. Yes. Now, unfortunately, you don't get that at the end necessarily. But, man, to begin the week, there's some meaningful series. Look at these Mariners, Trent. Mariners yes. wake up a half a game out of the wild card. Love it. A half a game. We've talked about this during the summer. This is an organization in baseball where everybody has a run. Everybody mm-hmm. has an opportunity. Everybody gets there at some point. Of course, we saw the Royals. Yeah. We've seen the Twins. We've seen everybody. But it's been 20 years mm. since they've just made the playoffs, just found a way into the playoffs. You look at any metric, any statistical measure of baseball as a whole, they're not that good. But here they are with an opportunity to get it done. Just take a look at that roster. And after Seager and Hanniger, I'm with you. It's just a bunch of who? It's kind of like Tampa Bay in a lot of ways. It's worse, though, because at least those guys had something coming up minor league-wise where, oh, okay, that makes sense. This doesn't make a lick of sense. Mm -hmm. Look at that rotation. It's not good. The bullpen's okay, but overall, it's just not a good baseball team yet. More than anything, for 20 years to not have a sniff of the playoffs and to get in, that's who I'm rooting for. Sorry, your Blue Jays, the Yankees, no, I don't Red think Sox. the Jays are going to get in. Does I mean I know who baseball wants? You're you get, right. I mean the wild card because it starts Tuesday night is the American League wild card, and I think baseball uh, would like nothing more. And I'm not saying that they're going to orchestrate this. This that's not how it works. I know a lot of you out there believe that's, that's the right. way it works. Yeah. It's not the way it works. But Red Sox Yankees would be great for the game yes. if they get that to kick off the playoffs. An elimination game between those two storied franchises. Yeah, they're in the East because they move the needle, like it or not. Cole versus Sale. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I mean, this Yankee watching them last night—they're so loaded. Mm-hmm. They're so loaded. And Stanton, he has not been the guy that they have paid for. No, he was on one swing last night though. But when <laughs> he's hot, yep, and when he puts it together. He's as talented as anybody mm-hmm. in the game. He is that kind of guy that can put a team on his back for weeks. Mm-hmm. I was uh, took a screenshot for our TV show today. What TV Series show guys. is that? Trent? Oh, yeah, it's Inside the Numbers uh-huh. on MediaCom. You oh, can catch that okay. four times over the weekend okay. on MC22. Starting when? Tomorrow, Thursday? Thursday uh-huh. is when you get your first shot at it. So looking through World Series odds, just getting a glimpse. Dodgers still the favorite, plus 325. Astros plus 475. How about that? Astros are the second choice. Yeah. Giants at 550 along with the Rays. White Sox plus 750. The Brewers 750. Braves 15 to 1. And the Yankees are 15 to wow. 1. You're not going to get better value <sighs> no. than that. No, you're not. Not worth a little taste. 
That's what I was thinking uh-huh. going into. Yeah. Now, ultimately, they not, might not get there. No, it might, be, it might be done on Tuesday night yep. about 10 o'clock our time, and their season might come to an end. And it wouldn't be a shocker because that's the nature of a one-game playoff. No, but, other than the folks that bet on them, there won't be very many tears shed at all. Right. At 15-1? to 15-1. to one. Wow. Took a little dabble at that one. I don't blame you a no. bit. Getting the Yanks at fifteen to one to with post look, I think that the game as it sits here as we sit here today, it's it's going to be played in Yankee Stadium, the one card wild yep. card game. And their schedule is much well, they gotta get through the Jays, and certainly last night they had no problem doing that. Uh we'll we'll see. Red Sox don't have a daunting schedule down the stretch. Uh, gonna be fun. It's fun to watch, but the there's no more drama in the in the National League. I mean, the Giants have a two game lead. Boy, it's tough to close two games in five days left. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's going to happen. As far as the uh, Giants uh, giving up the division to the Dodgers, the Braves are now three and a half up. I don't think the way it sits here that they're going to have to play that extra game on Monday that yeah. uh, Matt Snyder was sharing with us yesterday. So not a lot of drama in the National League. The drama, uh, as far as baseball-wise, resides in the American League and does so in that wild card. I still don't like the way that the uh, White Sox are finishing the le- uh, the season. They had a nice win last night. Keep it going. I hope that proverbial switch, if they're going to turn that proverbial switch, if there is one, do it this week. Don't wait till next week. Get things going. Because um, it's it doesn't look like a team that's long for the playoffs to me. Hope I'm wrong. Love to have these local teams uh, advance as far as they possibly can. So that's the BMW of Des Moines guest list today. We're going to start things off here momentarily with Brian Walton, the CardinalNation.com. Been a long time since we've spoken with Brian. Uh, back in the beginning of uh, August, we tried to make that case with him that uh, that this Cardinal team, there's an outside chance, Brian, and uh, we both agreed that there was. We're not sure that uh, we would be having this discussion, but here we are. Brian, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming back on. You know, when I was just uh, chatting while we were lining you up, that we had the conversation about the playoffs and the Cardinals back in August, and we both thought that, boy, if they're going to get there, they got to do their business in the month of August because that schedule is much easier than September. And yet here they are in September reeling off 17 in a row. What an amazing run, Brian Walton. Put your finger on it. What's behind it? I think the the underrated moves of bringing in the veterans, first LeBlanc before he got hurt, and then Jay Happ and John Lester, and those guys stabilized the rotation. And, you know, I thought they were just, you know, scrappy pickups to, you know, sort of placate the fans. But they turned out to be, you know, solid rotation guys, and that helped take the pressure off that bullpen because we're not now seeing the relievers come in and walk all those guys in the frustrating, you know, losing of games that were very winnable. And, of course, the other side of the coin is the offense has come to life. Tyler O'Neill, especially mm. allowed him to move up into the three spots. You've got, you know, your Goldschmidt, um, O'Neill, Ar- Arenado, and the Cardinals are scoring runs early in games, getting ahead and putting the pressure on the other team rather than for the first four months of the season, the pressure was always on them to try to catch up. A winning streak like this, it just doesn't happen very often. It's the third longest in the expansion era of MLB. As you go through and, and you just look at that, what it's like night in and night out now, just going, and it doesn't matter if they're playing the Cubs or they're playing somebody good, just knowing boy, this team, they're probably going to win again tonight. It's got to be just a crazy feeling. Well, and, and as Ken alluded to before, it, back in August, they were playing the weaker opponents, and you thought the Cardinals were going to you know, make their moves in, and they really didn't. They just kept on playing 500 ball. And then when the opponents got tougher, the Cardinals played better and better. And then they hit 
you know, Milwaukee, which was kind of on cruise control. They knew they were going to win the division. The Cubs were, of course, down, and the Cardinals just continued to rack up wins. And it's just been extremely impressive. And you wonder how long it continued. I started counting the numbers of, you know, how many games it would take to, you know, get through the playoffs, which is crazy. They're going to lose <laughs> at some point. But, you know, you just hope that they can find a way, if you're a Cardinals fan, that they can find some way to beat the Dodgers or Giants if it turns out to be in that one-game playoff. And then, you know, anything can happen. And that's just it. I mean, anything can happen. And I don't know. I don't care if it is the Giants or the Dodgers. They know how hot this Cardinal team is. Brian, go back to September and, and on, at the CardinalNation.com, uh, on your boards, etc. What was the, was there a large outcry of Cardinal fans that thought, you know what, this shield thing, this experiment isn't working. Let's just, uh, a clean house at the end of the season and go in a different direction. Did you hear that? Was there a lot of fans calling for Schilt's head at the end of the year there were certainly a number of fans that were concerned about Schultz's leadership you know there's always a segment of fans who want to see the manager or the head coach if we're talking about football or basketball whatever you know on the on the post-game interview rip into his players and say hey i'm not getting you know the production that i'm expecting from player x or and player y is not hustling and blah 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 well you know, people look at Mike Shilton thinking, well, he's a mild-mannered guy and he's you know, not going on these interviews and, and saying what we want him to hear. Well, we don't know what he's saying behind closed doors. He's choosing the smart way to deal with his issues with his team, you know, in the clubhouse and not in the public. And, you know, I mean, as Randy Rosarena showed us in his uh, ill-fated uh, uh, broadcast from the from the clubhouse in the playoffs a couple years ago, you know Mike Schultz can get fired up when he needs to, and you know the record states that in three seasons Schultz brought the Cardinals to the playoffs three straight years, mm. and uh, a lot of guys can say that. The offense, Tyler O'Neill has been a revelation. We talked about him a little bit yesterday. Goldschmidt has been solid, but the contribute uh, contributions that they got from Harrison Bader and Dylan Carlson in the outfield, those guys are playing at a really high level. But there's still not a ton of depth to this offense either. It feels like, well, there's about five guys you feel comfortable with right now offensively. Is that fair? Yeah, and I think there's no doubt in the offseason the Cardinals are probably one bat short. And the expected addition of the designated hitter next year gives them a little bit more flexibility. But we also have to remember that Nolan Gorman, who's their top hitter, uh, is going to be playing in the Arizona Fall League, hit 24 home runs, 25 home runs this season in the minor leagues, uh, is about ready to go. So... The Cardinals have some help on the way, but I think you know one more bat would be, uh, would be positive for that offense. So help us out. Um, it's got to be Wainwright that starts. Flaherty uh, trying to make his way back. What can they – let's say they do get by the – I think it'll be the Dodgers. Let's say they go into L.A. and they pick off whatever – you know, a well-paid, highly-paid pitcher that starts for the Dodgers on Wednesday night in the, in the one-game wild card. Um, who would go go forward from there? Wainwright's already pitched, so who who goes against the Giants to start that series? Well, that's a good question. You know, Lester's had some uh, ups and downs physically. Uh, you, you know, you like what Hap's been doing. It looks like Flaherty's going to be pitching out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may see uh, Dakota Hudson get a start, um, and Kim's in the bullpen. So it's going to be a you know a mix and match. There's clearly you know the Cardinals don't have a rotation as formidable as the Dodgers, let's say, with Scherzer and Urias and and all. But again, you know, you take them game by game, just like the Cardinals have done all along. And you know, they're as I said, they've got now Flaherty back, probably in a relief role. They got Hudson back, probably shorter stints. But those are two guys that they didn't have when they started this long winning streak. So they're really 
in a better, I would argue, a better position pitching-wise than they were before, even though, you know, you don't have the seven-inning workhorses beyond Wainwright. You need a starter. Who It comes down to, say, Michaelis or Woodford. Would they go Woodford at this point? I think they might. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we'll see how Miles does against Milwaukee tonight. He's been, you know, good, but in shorter stints. And Woodford's been a real revelation yeah. since they brought him back up in ERA, you know, under three for a guy that, you know, we weren't sure was the number seven or eight starter, you know, coming into the year. So, you know, they've, they've ridden the young guys, whether it be Woodford on the, the pitching side or Sosa, uh, Newt Barr on the offensive side. Really, everybody's contributed. You know, as a fan, doesn't uh, don't you want this team to lose a couple before you? You don't want the team to win out and then go into Wednesday night in L.A. with the pressure of what would be what about a twenty-two game winning streak um, to go? Or, I mean, you want to lose right before you get there. And I think the Milwaukee Brewers are, you know, for the Cardinals to sweep the Brewers again here, you know, that sends a bad signal to the Brewers who are, you know, in a position to. To uh, you know, uh, have their you know celebrate their division mm-hmm. title and and go far in the playoffs, and you know for the Cardinals to beat them, you know sweep them two series in a row is something that I don't think they want on the resume. And as we've talked about the Cardinals, uh, you know, have Michaelis tonight and you know TPD tomorrow. So I think the Brewers, you know, may be able to pull away one. But I, I agree with your general point, Ken, which is lose one and then start winning again. Mm. Unbelievable role, Brian Walton. Uh, the game is Wednesday. It's already. Uh, I mean, Brian, after Tuesday, with all this wiggle room, I mean, who would have thought this, right? If they're going to get in, it's going to come right down to the final weekend, and then they're going to need some help. Screw that. Let's just go out and keep winning ball games and get this thing clinched as soon as we possibly can. And here we are. Brian, we'll talk to you uh, Wednesday if your schedule allows. We'll preview that wild card game with you uh, a week from today. Thank you, Brian Walton. TheCardinalNation.com. TheCardinalNation.com for Brian. Appreciate it. Talk to you next time. Good to talk to you. Brian Walton. So we take a look at these red-hot red birds. Don't you want the team to lose? You don't want oh, to go, go, to... go into... Yeah, you want to be 22 in a row to go to L.A.? It doesn't matter. 23. I, I don't know if it does or not. Momentum... There's many people that don't believe in momentum. I know. I watched too much yesterday. Start today's starting pitcher. Right. No, just keep the winning streak going. (laughs) What a story! What a story! Unthinkable. From this team too, right? Right. Yeah. This seems the one that's going to go on this roll and win all these ball games with this rotate with this bullpen. You know, you turn. How many leads have they turned over to the bullpen, and only to see them blown up? I mean, think about that. That's a ton of games that they've blown, regardless of who's out there. Hell of a run, Redbirds. Hell of a run. Did not see it coming. Uh, let's take one call before we get out, uh, go to our first break. David Eicholt on the Hawkeyes. Kenny White, KennyWhiteSports.com. Keith joins the program. Hello, Keith. How are you? Pretty good, guys. Enjoy your show. Hey, I just heard your segment with the, uh, <clears throat> the Cardinals correspondent, and then I just heard... Uh, I just heard uh, the comment about you leave momentum. I will say I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm a White Sox fan. I heard the comments earlier. Yeah. There is zero correlation yeah. between how a team ends the season and how they do in the playoffs. Zero. I've tracked this. <laughs> I, you know, I, I get in the betting pools. That regardless of the sport, it doesn't mean the Cardinals are going to lose. It doesn't mean the White right. Sox are going to win. But I'll, I'll, be, I, I'll be glad to call in about a month. And I'll guarantee you that uh, the teams that end the season on a winning note don't necessarily advance in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and the teams that back in 
don't necessarily lose. The 05 the White part. The, Keith, weren't the 05 White Sox, weren't they terrible going into the playoffs and then, of course, Were caught they? fire? Oh, my yeah. God. You, you, got, you recall things a lot better than I do. Yeah, I think but, I uh, think they really struggled going into the playoffs. Oh, no chance, and oh, they won the World Series. <laughs> and there's a parade. It just, right. it just underscores, yeah, it just underscores that the playoffs, in that whatever sport is, it's just almost yeah. a brand new season. Um, obviously, you have strong points, and I don't think it hurts the Cardinals, uh, but... I could just, yeah, and the White Sox, it's just a, it's just a, I, I am a Brewers fan too, and, and obviously there's some concerns there, but mm-hmm. I just know from previous years, you get these betting pools and everybody goes, well, the trending team is the one who's hot, and then all of a sudden things blow up. Right uh, so I'll be interested to see how it happens for, for Major League Baseball coming up to the playoffs. Keith, if you're tracking that, and if you do go to that trouble, we'd love to hear uh, the uh, uh, what your efforts produced, if you don't mind. Okay. Call us back, all right? Thank you, Ken. Thank yeah. you. All right. Good to talk to you, Keith. Appreciate you listening. My memory was wrong. It was August that the White Sox they had, their, that, they that had their had their real struggles. But they won the division that year going away. I think that was also part of it, kind of like this year, where they didn't play any important games kind of down the stretch. And can you flip a switch? You can. Yeah, Cardinals World Series going eighty three and seventy nine in the regular season. Well, we've seen six seeds win Super Bowls. That's what we're talking right, about. Yeah, right. it's momentum. We've seen eight seeds win Stanley Cups. Right. Seen them get to the finals in the mm-hmm. NBA. Mm-hmm. That's true. In the shortened what strike season was that? Ninety. No, I don't remember. <laughs> we will. They all run together anymore. Don't <laughs> they, they do. We'll take our time out. Come back. We will uh, talk Hawks. Uh, we'll do the clones tomorrow, promise. Like to Dave, get David Eicholt in here from 24-7 Sports. He'll join Hawkeye Insider, correct? HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 Sports. He'll kick things off next. Uh, Kenny White, KennyWhiteSports.com. By the way, if you look at the slate of college games, there's some biggies. Oh, there's a there's ton. Some, this is a fun weekend. I think there's coming up. five matchups of undefeated teams starting Friday night with is Iowa, there? Maryland. Wow. Hey, just real quick. Um, you get to play program director at KCCI. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fox has the double dip this week, so we're going to get one early game on CBS. Mm-hmm. Here are your choices on CBS, Mr. Program okay. Director. You're going to put up Houston-Buffalo. No. You're going to put up Indianapolis-Miami, uh, mm. Cleveland-Vikings, Tennessee-Jet, Chiefs-Eagle. Oh, that's easy. One of the two local teams is going to be relegated to uh, the Sunday ticket. you got to go Browns-Vikings. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's not how they saw it. They do have a good connection. Well, that's more of a Fox thing, right, with the Chiefs? Yeah, and you know what? I, I, you got a chance to get the Vikings. I, right. That's what I would have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at their listing. I met to look at my DirecTV last night, but I went to the KCCI.com, and I saw the program listing, and it does list that they are going to show uh, the Chiefs and the Eagles. So one step further, in the late window, what are you going to show? Ravens, Broncos? Mm-hmm. Or Steeler Packer. Late window. Those are my two options. Those are your two options. Ravens Bronco. You got to put Green Bay. They did. Yeah. Uh, Miller and Condon back after this. 1460 KX and 0106. Remember, tell them Murph sent you. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KX and O and 106.3 FM. Hi, right, welcome back. We're in Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Kenny White, KennyWhiteSports.com. Uh, coming up here in about oh, 15 minutes or thereabouts, let's talk some Hawks, shall we? David Eichold, he covers them at HawkeyeInsider.com under the 247 Sports umbrella. Uh, and as always, David, great to speak with you. We appreciate uh, you coming on with Trent and I. How are you? Hey, things going well, guys. Good to be talking with you. Should be a 
should be a fun game on Friday, and it'll be nice to actually, you know, be able to watch some college football on Saturday <laughs> since the adrenaline two thirty game won't be a thing this week. No, I totally understand that. Uh, it's nice to just kick back and watch every single window, uh, and you'll get that opportunity. So I didn't think, you know, when we're killing, not killing segments, when we're discussing what we think we're going to see this season, how the season's going to play out, etc. I didn't think we'd be having the conversation about Iowa's running game, that it really needs a jolt and it needs to get going. Thought we might be talking about the lack of depth, the real Achilles heel on the defensive side of the football. That has not materialized. In fact, it's a positive. But here we are with the, the running game uh, needing to get going. And I know you had an opportunity to speak to, you know, to the coaches about the offensive line and some of the offensive linemen yesterday. What's gone wrong in your mind, David? You know, I, I think it's the little things, and I think it's just the youth. I mean, obviously, Tyler Linderbaum, I think, is the best center in college football. Um, but the youth at tackles, I mean, I think, you know, Mark Kallenberger elected to end his career heading into this season, just didn't want to do his final year of college football. Uh, I think that's materialized into one of the biggest losses of the offseason. That's no shot against Mason Richmond, Jack Plum, or the or Nick DeYoung at uh, the other tackle spot. But Iowa's youth at tackle, I think, is really hurting them, specifically in the run game. And then I think when you lose a guy like Kyler Shot, I know some people really want to focus on his height and, you know, his measurables, but this is a guy that by pro football focus has been one of the most consistent linemen, not just at Iowa, but in, in the Big Ten, if not the country, uh, for his run blocking and pass blocking grades. So I think when he comes back in the swing of things, I think that's certainly going to help. Um, I don't think it's really that big of a scheme problem. I will say I think people are really missing Makai Sargent right now mm. um, because I think his consistent four to six yards you know, on the ground, I think that's really materialized into what this Iowa team needs. Goodson's obviously a big-time playmaker on the outside. Three of his five touchdown runs have come from 35 yards or more. But when you fall in love with the with the big plays, you know, you're not seeing those four, five, six-yard runs really materialize. So I don't think it's a problem with talent in the running back room. I think that Iowa still needs to continue to develop those offensive linemen and find a way to get you know defenses to stop stacking the box. I, I loved what Iowa did in the second half against Colorado State. They said, you know what, let's air it out. And I think Spencer Petras played a heck of a game throwing the ball downfield. And I think if Iowa can continue to utilize the play action, keep throwing the ball downfield, I mean teams are going to be forced to you know not be able to put nine, ten guys in the box. And I think that is obviously going to help going forward as well. This is going to be a different kind of team, certainly, than Iowa's seen to this point. The Maryland offense is playing at a really, really high level. Not only that, they're stuffing the run pretty well, which is certainly a scary proposition. What do you anticipate we're going to see Friday night? Yeah, you know, this Maryland team, first of all, you look at, I think you need to tip the cap to Mike Loxley and what mm-hmm. he's done in yep. a few short years there. I think what... Uh, Tagovailoa, quarterback, I think he's one. He, he might be the best quarterback in the Big Ten right now. I'm still a big C's a Stroud guy at Ohio State. But Tagovailoa and him going downfield to, you know, Dante Demas Jr., who's leading the Big Ten with 446 receiving yards, 26 straight games with at least one catch. And Rakeem Jarrett's going to be a guy that I think Iowa fans are going to know by the end of the game. He's a big five-star prospect. I believe he flipped from LSU to Maryland when it wasn't a popular thing to do. But he's certainly ascended into that category as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this Iowa defense really stacks up and if they implement a quarterback spy here for, I guess, more Dane Belton. But at the same time, uh, I don't know how you take Justin Jacobs off the field with what he's been doing uh, over the last three weeks. I think he's playing himself into a potential NFL draft 
decision by the end of the year based on some of the people I've talked to. Um, he, he's certainly been impressing as well. And as you mentioned about Maryland, Maryland's defensive line, I mean, this is a team that they know how to get home to the quarterback. I mean, they're fifth of the country in sacks. They have 16 through four games. So when you look at Iowa, uh, Iowa's offensive line, I think they played their arguably the worst game of the year against Colorado State. I mean, 1.7 yards a rush. I think Spencer did have a clean pocket at times, you know, falling back deep. But if, if Iowa's going this game, obviously they have the big – the big secondary, the big back seven, who I think is one of the best in the country. But you don't want to get in an explosive passing play battle with Maryland. You, you just don't, based on the production, especially if Tiger Valoa can escape the pocket. He's not looking to run. He's looking to throw a 50-yard mm-hmm. pass to one of his two stud receivers. No, they are. Um, there's no doubt about that. Number seven jumps off the television screen. That's Demas, I'm pretty sure, um, mm-hmm. when when he's on the field. You know, might it have just been, you know, the offensive line – this wasn't a real clean game, I didn't think, in a lot of areas. With the exception of the quarterback, I'm with you. I thought Petrus played his best game. But, I mean, even Torrey Taylor had his worst game, yeah. maybe, as a Hawk. Maybe it was just one of those days. You know, I think it was. I went on a few programs last week, and I joked that Iowa probably could have spent three hours on Melrose Avenue and still showed up to the game and mm-hmm. come away with the win. I didn't think they'd take my advice seriously. But, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, though, too, where I think Iowa is blessed with the consistency that they have at punter because I certainly can't remember Torrey Taylor really shanking a punt. And I think even his shanked punt still went for, what, 30-some right. yards? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you're feeling pretty good there. And I think, ultimately, this is a, it was a good thing for the Iowa football team because I don't think you're going to see a sloppy team coming out uh, against Maryland on Friday. I don't want to say it was a, quote, wake-up call. But I do think it was a good experience for these younger guys to, you know, get down at the half and say, hey, you know what, we really got to pull this, uh, pull this together. And as you said, the thing about Petrus, too, I got to rant about this because it's, it's, my mentions were absolutely ridiculous to me. <laughs> After, you know, I was down at half, I had people talking to me like, you know, if Spencer had led Keegan Johnson better on his second, you know, 40, his 49-yard pass to him, Keegan would have scored. I mean, are we really so accustomed to blaming Spencer Petras that you have to overlook everything else? You're blaming the quarterback while you're averaging 1.7 yards a rush against a, you know, a pretty bad Colorado State team. I, I think the issue roots back to the offensive line, and I think that Iowa airing it out deep, um, I think that's certainly going to help, and I think Petras's confidence is high. But I, I think people need to back off Petras a little bit. I think there's a whole lot more to this team and the difficulties than simply saying that Iowa needs a quarterback change because the reality is, They've won 10 straight games, and people want to make a quarterback change. That that just does not make much sense. Well, when will you get your first opportunity media day-wise with the Hoopsters? I believe October 11th is oh, the individual yeah. day, and then I believe next Thursday and Friday it's the uh, Big Ten Conference basketball media days. Be here before we know it. Soon you'll be wearing a couple of hats. David Eicholt, uh, we appreciate you coming on 24-7 Sports. Uh, David, thank you. We'll catch up with you again. What do you got coming up this week uh, at Hawkeye Insider? Anything you want to promote? Yeah, I'll say this, though. We have a lot of recruiting coverage coming in. Obviously, we're playing, you know, who's going to be here for the Penn State game. I think people are going to be blown away by the caliber of prospects they're bringing in. We'll have full coverage at com recruiting and everything else. And uh, appreciate you guys having me back on. Always a good time talking to you. David, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you down the road. Thank you. Take care, Yep, you do the same. David Eicholt, as we talk a little Hawks, we'll talk a little sports betting with Kenny White from KennyWhiteSports.com. He comes up to take us to 11. Cappy and Mitch Holtis in Hour 2. We're Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 1013.com.
welcome back. 11 to 11 on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Let's go to Vegas, shall we? Kenny White, KennyWhiteSports.com. He's got a handful of big games uh, that we're going to toss around. Kenny, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. You shared with me earlier you spent the first part of the week in Atlantic City. Uh, I've been there about a decade. Um I wasn't real impressed the first time, the only time I was there. Is it bouncing back, Kenny White? 40 years. <laughs> it was almost the same I think, yeah. now as it, as it was then. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it has its moments and its places and its spots that are very, very nice. The weather was beautiful on Monday. So I was able to walk the boardwalk and take the tram up and down it mm-hmm. and do a little sightseeing. But uh, it, it's old and it needs renovation and, you know, there's some very nice casinos, though. The Hard Rock there now and the uh, uh, Bally's are beautiful casinos they've built. But uh, still a nice place because you're right next to the ocean, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely still needs a lot of work. Yeah, don't stray too far from that from those properties either because you don't have to go very far. And uh, you're, you're in peril, potentially, uh, if, yeah, they if said you do. At, at nighttime. Daytime, you're okay. Yeah. At nighttime, you, you don't want to be walking anywhere at nighttime here in Atlantic City. No, that's for sure. Well, let's get into the slate of games this week, Kenny. It's pretty... Trent and I were talking about earlier. Last week was kind of, hmm, I mean, there were good games. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but this week, they're so, so good. Before we get into that, you know, Clemson looks as though... I mean, where are you on Clemson? Where were you and where are you on Clemson? I'm still very high on Clemson. Uh, the game they, they just lost, they, they went up against uh, a team who I felt was a top-10 team in the country. I so saying that. When you're, when you're playing on the road against a top-10 team, things are get difficult. Uh, that game went to overtime and you know could have gone either way. But uh, I'm, I guess right now I'm glad it went NC State's way because I need to get them the, the wins now. I'm over on that total, so it was a big win for me. Uh, it just it breaks my heart because I know how talented Clemson is. They will figure it out, like I said last week. I was just hoping it wasn't that game against NC State, and they didn't. But I still have them the third-best team in the country. And they're going to be a favorite over almost anybody else except for Georgia and Alabama at this point. With that, let's get into the games, and it starts in a big way here in our state. Well, not literally in our state, but with the state team as Iowa goes out to Maryland. This is a point spread. It's been kind of the pros versus Joes that we've seen early this week. Public bets coming in on Iowa, but more of the money on the Terrapins. Where are you with this one? Hawkeyes laying three and a half. Yeah, the side I think is right, you know, right on. Um, I, I thought Iowa should be about a three and a half, four point favorite in the game. So I think they've done a nice job there. Where I like is the total. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Iowa's defense and lack of offense uh, to go under this total. The defense has been just tremendous. Uh, 3.9 yards of play so far. It's impossible to run on this team. 2.3 yards of carry they're giving up. And uh, Maryland's offense has been very, very good, uh, but not great. 6.9 yards of play. Uh, their defense has been outstanding. Their defense is only allowing 4.8 yards of play, which uh, that's going to be tough for Iowa to move the football. And, again, we've talked about Spencer Petrius. He's basically a game manager. He's not going to be a guy that wins it for you. But he's going to take care of the football and not turn it over and put your team in a bad situation. So, Field position will be everything in this football game, and I think it will be played that way. The Illini defense slowed down uh, Maryland's offense, and Iowa's is far, far better. So, yeah, this total of 47.5, 48 are, are out there, just way too high in this game. This is a big, big game for both teams, and it will be played at Iowa's pace. 
Uh, speaking of big game for both teams, bigger game for Cincinnati than uh, than it is for Notre Dame, although important to them as well. Kenny, I was surprised that uh, Cincinnati, I, I thought that this would be a tight line, but I thought Notre Dame would be maybe a slight favorite. But here we are, Cincinnati, I mean, they're bordering on getting a field goal. It's up to two and a half in some spots, uh, which surprises me. Uh, Indiana, as much as anything, gave Cincinnati an opportunity to get back in that football game. How do you see Cincinnati-Notre Dame? Everything you just said, I'm, I'm all on board uh, 100% there. I thought Notre Dame would be the favorite. Um, when I saw Cincinnati go to the favorite, I said, well, I can understand that. There's a lot of love for this team, and a lot of people don't like what they've seen out of Notre Dame so far. Uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to wait. I haven't bet it yet, but I will bet Notre Dame this weekend. I'm hoping to get the three. Probably use them in some teasers right now and tease them up to plus eight and a half with a couple teams just in case it doesn't get to three. But I think it will because Saturday, uh, when the, when the public comes out and starts to bet, uh, I think all the money will be on Cincy. Now this, this is a tale of strength of schedule. I understand how Notre Dame has played. I've done very well with them this year. Had them against Purdue and I had them last week against Wisconsin. Now that score was the, the most misleading score the entire weekend when I crunched my box score numbers. Uh, Wisconsin actually outgained Notre Dame 4.6 yards of play to 3.5, but Notre Dame wins by that lopsided score, uh, 41-13, just amazing. Four-plus turnovers, two kick, a kickoff return for a touchdown, and the two interception returns. So Notre Dame's strength of schedule is a 109.3, which means they played teams 9.3 points better than average on the year. Cincinnati, 97.5. They've been playing a well-below-average schedule. They're really stepping up in class here. Even though Indiana was good, they're still 10 points below what Notre Dame will put on the field. It is at Notre Dame, and it's a home game. I love the home dog here, but I'd like to really get that three points in this game. Lane Kiffin, he's tweeting up a storm this week. (laughs) He's poking the bear. He's talking about the rat poison of Saban's crew. This thing opened at Circa at 20. It's down now pretty much across the board. 14 and a half, 15, as we currently look at it. Ole Miss, Alabama should be a fun one and definitely going to see some points, you feel. No, my, I hope it's as fun as last year. Yeah. 63-48 game, but I hope it's a little closer even. I didn't bet the 20. I was out of town, so I didn't really bet anything early. I wish I could have. This would have been one I would have taken. Um, I felt this game should have been about 14, Alabama 14. Um, the total, I think, should be in the high 80s, and we're, we're still in the high 70s. Uh, this is a Matt Corral versus Bryce Young game, and uh, these are two just dynamic offenses. We know the Alabama's defense is great, and Mississippi's has been as well. They've only allowed 4.8 yards of play, but it's a passing game. It's a big scoring game, and I can see it uh, being a lot like last year's, up and down, back and forth. Um, overs the play for me in this one. Uh, let's stay in the uh, in the SEC. Arkansas boy, love, we both love the Pittman story. Trent and I do. I'm just, it's just hard not to. Georgia might be the best team in college football. They're certainly in the conversation with Alabama. It's a big number, bigger than I thought. Uh, help us out. Yeah, I didn't know if it was going to be this high either. Arkansas comes in with revenge. They lost thirty-seven to ten last year at home. Uh, we know where Georgia's at right now. That's coming off a big win over Vanderbilt. But, you know, those type of games don't make you any better. So I'm thinking they take a step back. Both teams have played about an identical strength of schedule so far. Georgia's outgaining their opponents by 3.6 yards of play. And Arkansas, three yards of play. Uh, the Arkansas defense has been their strength. Uh, this total at 48.5. 
I think is just a little high between these two teams. And if it's going to be lower scoring, I think there's a correlated parlay there, and you can take Arkansas plus that big number. If if your guy will let you, or gal, whoever's booking your bets, uh, under and uh, the, the points. I take Arkansas plus the points to the under. Finishing up with you, Kenny, and college football is what we're talking about here. How's the NFL been for you this year? Uh, the NFL's been really good. Uh, great start to the NFL. I've uh, been uh, very excited about how it's panned out. Some of the teams that I thought were going to be good uh, have turned out to be good. The Denver Broncos are, are one mm-hmm. that comes to mind that I had an over bet on. I really like Teddy Bridgewater. I thought it was a three-point upgrade at quarterback. I think they should be the favorite now to win the West. Three and zero now. Now they now their three opponents they beat are a combined zero and nine. <laughs> but the Broncos did what they had to do. They 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 won those games and they and they pretty won them impressively. So uh, if you can grab the Broncos plus price right now to win the win the AFC West, there's a good chance they're going to win it this year. Uh, that's a good one. Um, you know, a couple teams that uh, the the Rams are a team that I had to upgrade. Uh, Matthew Stafford. Boy, he's playing football. He's he's in. He's realizing what football, what it used to be when he was a college kid mm-hmm. and a high school kid, winning games again, and it's just been fun for him. And Sean McVay makes it fun for everybody. So that's that's a really good team. Kansas City's had their struggles, but they will be back. They'll be back. They'll win eleven games, and uh, they'll be a tough out in the playoffs. That's for sure. Well, music to this Bronco fans here, no doubt about. It. Kenny White, KennyWhiteSports.com. What he got cooking this weekend, Kenny? Yeah, everything's up on the site. We'll have uh, the newsletter will be out later tonight, late tonight for the weekend, which I've been on a huge run on the newsletter. The the game of the week is 5 and 0 oh so far. Uh a big win I had Iowa under last week was my game of the week and the, that Hawkeye defense sure came through. You can also get the updated power ratings, the NFL and college 19.99 a month. And we're going to be adding NHL next, then NBA, then college basketball. You get all five sports for nineteen ninety nine a month, and that's the projected final scores for every game that hasn't been played yet in the season. So you can go compare every day in college basketball, NBA, and NHL what I think the line should be, and then compare it to what the actual betting line is, and then make your bets accordingly. This man set the lines in Vegas on the strip for a long, long time. Kenny White, KennyWhiteSports.com. We will talk to you in a week's time. Thanks for doing this, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Go Hawkeyes. <laughs> there you go. Good to hear from you. Kenny White. KennyWhiteSports.com. He did have them big last week as his major play. I think he likes them this week, too, by the sounds of things. Mm-hmm. Hour 2. Cappy kicks it off next. 1460, 106.3.